Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. This is Tim Staples of Catholic Answers. I'm excited to let you know that I also teach high school apologetics for homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. There are also recorded independent learning courses at homeschoolconnections.com. Whether you take apologetics with me, literature with Joseph Pierce, or philosophy with Bill Donahue, or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, it's a great way to get Catholic learning for your family. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Know the Faith, Defend the Faith. My name is William Hemsworth. It's great to be with you. I'm honored to have my guest, Kimberly Hahn. Uh, she's a Catholic speaker, author, who for decades has shared her wisdom with other wives and mothers, married to Scott for more than 40 years. They have six children and 19 grandchildren. After homeschooling for 26 years, Kimberly now serves as counsel at large in Steubenville, Ohio, and hosts the St. Paul Center podcast, Beloved and Blessed. Kimberly, how are you doing today? Great. Thank you. Wonderful to be with you. It's my pleasure to have you on with me and congratulations on the book. Uh, book we're talking about today, Graced and Gifted, Biblical Wisdom for the Homemaker's Heart, came out March 19th. So it's been kind of a big year, not only this book, but then as we talked about off air, your son was just ordained to the priesthood. So a huge year for you. <laughs> yeah, very big. Actually, we have our 20th grandchild due in July. So it just get gets bigger, bigger all the time. That's great. <laughs> great. Yeah. So what brought about this book and, and why is it so badly needed today? Yeah, well, I began to have Bible studies in my home, uh, welcoming college students decades ago and finding that a lot of women, young women had no idea what this vocation of marriage is really about. Now, some of them were raised in great families and just had not had a lot of time to process what they had viewed. Others had really not been raised in a, a Christian home of any kind. And the culture was determining in many ways in their minds what value it is to have a home, to be a homemaker. Um, isn't it really just about uh, a change of residence when you get married and the important things you do in life are what earn you a paycheck? Um, in fact, the, when I asked some of them, well, how would you describe a mom who's home full time. Some of the most negative images ever emerged. Uh, one gal described it as like a cage. Another one um, like a prison. Um, you know, being uh, on a leash. And it was like, oh my goodness! Uh, right. Please keep coming to this Bible study. I want to share with you a much bigger vision. And I would say homemaking is something that. Um, can happen in any environment. It can be in an apartment, a dorm room, uh, a, a rental structure and a home that you are purchasing. But it's taking a house and making it into a home that is a dwelling place of peace and beauty, safety, where you 
as a homemaker, welcome your family back from the storms of life and you speak grace to one another. That's the goal. Now, <laughs> day to day, it's, uh, it's a little more like a farmyard with, uh, with lots of animals scurrying about, <laughs> uh, right? Okay. Yes. But, but we have a vision for what it can be, um, really making, making a home together where we live out our vocation of love one to the other. Great. Yeah. You talk about a farmyard. We, my neighbor had an emergency. So my neighbor kid is here. My dog's excited. Three of my four kids are up. So that's all happening in the, right behind that door. Of course, <laughs> of course it is. And it's wonderful and beautiful. It and it's in the chaos that the Lord enters and we don't have perfect days. In fact, I would say for me as a homemaker, it can be a study in constant failure. I, I can end the day with all the laundry done and a wonderful dinner on the table, but the yard's a mess or everything hasn't been put away. Then the next day I can have uh, the house cleaned and the laundry done, but at the last moment I'm scurrying to throw together a meal and it's, I can either end the day every day saying, oh, I didn't do it all again, Lord, or I can say, Lord, thank you for the energy, for the vision that some of the things got done and tomorrow will be a new day. And we embrace that really in humility. Um, our list for the day is much longer, I think, than God's. But at the end of the day, we can say, Lord, today did go according to plan, just not Kimberly's, but it did go according to plan. And how much better that in your home, you're reaching out in love to a neighbor child and to their dog you know, or whatever is happening, God needs to be given the space to intervene and say, okay, you, you thought what you knew was happening today, but now I'm going to interject something. Trust me, trust me. And, uh, and it's yeah. beautiful when we can cooperate with the plan. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. Now there's a common phrase in society that says the devil is in the details. Now in chapter one, you say that God is in the details. Absolutely. So, so what, what do you mean by that? Yeah. I'll just give you one illustration, okay? Um, because I think people give the devil far too much credit and the Lord far too little. Yes. So one day, uh, Scott was going to take us, uh, we were gonna go to mass, meet Scott, sorry, for mass. And I had three little children at the time, winter time. So it's quite a process to bundle everyone up, get everyone in their car seats. We, so, uh, and, and as I left the house, I thought, oh, the first floor is just, Correct, but I'll deal with that when I get home. I was trying to get to the grocery store first because we were having a family reunion uh, the next day. So that's what's on my mind. We get everybody locked in, ready to go, and the van will not start. Oh, no. And thankfully, because I had taught my children, my second born announces from the back of the seat, back of the car, about age five, he goes, Well, that's the will of God. Which actually was a great reminder because it kept me from saying anything I shouldn't say and have to go to confession for. And I said, Gabriel, you're right. So we unbuckled everybody, got everybody back in the house. I called Scott and said, can you come pick us up for mass? Yes, I'd be happy to, which meant I couldn't get to the store. So I looked around the first floor and I said, kids, we've got about 30 minutes. Let's just pick up the first floor. And so we did, we got it all done back in coats. Scott picked us up at mass, a dear friend we had not seen in years happened to be visiting. And Scott said, could we have him home for lunch? And I thought, well, 
I do have enough food for lunch and the first floor is picked up. And I said, absolutely. In the middle of our lunch at home, my sister-in-law calls and says, I'm so sorry. We're so sick. We have to postpone the reunion for a week, which means I didn't need to go to the grocery store and I did need to pick up the first floor. And because my son announced that it was the will of God, I didn't even have to go to confession for anything that I said inappropriately. So God was the one in the details. And, and I think if we can begin with that act, act of consecration at first thing in the morning, where we're saying, here are my joys, my works, my sorrows, my sufferings. I give it all to you before it even unfolds. I want to live as your daughter or your son today. And I want a spirit that on the one hand makes a plan. I'm not going to just float through the day. But at the same time, I'm going to yield my plan to yours. Jesus, I trust in you. We will see channels of grace opened up and flowing. And we can trust the Lord that what will happen will be love, which is really what we desire in our homes, right? Right, absolutely. Now, speaking of love, and your book talks about a lot, a lot about the Proverbs 31 woman. Now, for those who may not be familiar, can you explain what that is for us? Yeah. So this is maybe the only passage really written by a woman. And it's the queen mother of King Lemuel. What she's trying to do is impress on him the qualities he should seek in the wife who will be by his side. And she's trying to communicate to him that not only will this woman make a difference in his own personal life, but in the life of the kingdom. And I think that the things that she shares are really worth meditating on as a woman for me to see the qualities that, um, that our Lord wants us to develop, but then also to point my sons in the direction of these are the qualities to desire in a woman. And in the verses beginning in verse uh, 13 and through verse 17, that's what I cover in this particular book. The first three verses I cover in the first book in this series called Chosen and Cherished Biblical Wisdom for Your Marriage. This is biblical wisdom for the homemaker's heart. And in these verses, she is demonstrating care for the family in lots of the little things, in the clothing that she provides for the household, in the food that she provides, in the tasks for those who assist her, her handmaids. Um, she girds up her loins with physical strength. It's not just spiritual strength, but it's actual physical strength. And I get into gardening, um, into time management and home management. There is so much involved in homemaking. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is create an environment in which people know how loved they are and begin to look for ways as they mature, the children, to love and serve one another. I think this is an important element. You know, the spouse is the only family relationship you will ever choose. God chose your parents. God chose your siblings. God chose your aunts and uncles and cousins. And God will be the one to choose your children. And believe me, you're, you're not responsible for selecting which child you have or who they marry or the children they have. In other words, all of it is up to the Lord. And I believe that even the spouse you choose is you're, you're trying to tune into God's choice. But it is the only family relationship you choose. Um, so if God is to be trusted, which I believe with my entire heart, he is, 
then we rise to the day and say, Lord, how do I best serve those you have placed in my care? Um, and he wants to do that work in us and through us. Uh, home is the natural environment in which we do that. Yeah, one of the places we do that is with the family meal, and we're all busy nowadays. We're such a busy society, but you emphasize the importance of that family meal. Yes. Why, why is that so important for us? It's an opportunity to reflect in our domestic church at home the importance of having actual communion together, which we have in, in church when we receive our Lord in the Holy Eucharist. And so at home, we're actually reflecting in that relationship with each member of the family, the importance of being together, listening to each other, demonstrating respect. Um, there's some wonderful proverbs that talk about how what you serve is not as important as how you serve it. Uh, better is dinner with just herbs than a fatted ox with hatred. Um, we can actually aid digestion, meeting the physical needs of each other by caring for each other and listening to each other. One practical idea that my parents adopted and all of us uh, as we matured brought into our families and now all of our children and there are uh, 28 grandchildren in our family from my parents and several of them are now married is the idea of sharing a good thing. So we talk about sharing a good thing from the day, from, from supper the night before. Occasionally it can even be that we got through the day, okay? But the goal is to try to see something that we can thank God for since dinner the night before. And even someone as young as one and a half or two can, can say the words, my good thing, and everybody turns and gets quiet and listens to them. And by listening, by celebrating with each other, by then engendering conversation because you know someone will say well i got a really good score on this test it's a natural follow-up well what what subject was it in uh what was so good about it um and he gives people a chance to share and to listen when they began doing this my parents um there were four four of us three girls and a boy and my my brother was very very happy to just be quiet all the time and we were all chatterers. <laughs> we would, we could fill the conversation. When they introduced the idea of sharing a good thing, it meant that we had to be quiet long enough to listen to our brother. And then I think it increased his own appreciation of the things we were sharing. And occasionally you can share a bad thing because it can be a time where you can listen to each other, but it kept the focus positive. And I would say that continues to today. Uh, we've had over 50 people live with us, um, students over these years here in Steubenville. Many of them have adopted sharing the good thing at the dinner table. Great. I want to share one other thought. In our busyness, and my hope is that through COVID and that being shut down, more people have begun to find the family table again. Right. And I would say, don't lose that. What you were given was a gift to see how important gathering together around the dinner table is. I shared this, some of these thoughts at a retreat and a young mother came up to me and said, my husband works swing shift. I have not wanted 
to take all the time it would be take to teach my children how to do dishes. And she said, so I drive through McDonald's every night, every night. And she said, we don't use plates. We don't even use paper plates. We just eat out of the wrappers because I need it to be done because I have no support right there, no help. And she said, I am taking to heart what you have shared about the importance of preparing a meal and sitting and eating it together. And she said, I'm going to go home and begin to cook for my children, whether or not my husband's there. And I will teach them to do the dishes so that we actually gather as a family. And she said, I don't know if anything else will, will matter in our family life, but this will change our lives. This is a wonderful opportunity to demonstrate real personal fellowship within the body of Christ right around your table. Absolutely. Now, Kimberly, the book's been out since March. What feedback have you received so far from readers? Um, lots of ideas. Now, I will tell you this, as a homemaker, it is very possible to get overwhelmed by all the things you don't do. And what I don't want anyone to do is read this book and begin to beat themselves up over what they're not doing. Read a chapter, say on gardening, and maybe pick one thing you're going to do. One thing, one packet of seeds you're going to buy or one plant already created that you're just going to put in the ground to add some beauty uh, to your environment. Um, don't use this as a way of, of um, measuring yourself up against other people. God made you. God gave you unique abilities and gifts. Look for one way in which you can demonstrate your love for your, your Lord, your spouse, and your children, and, and just build from there. The idea is that if we have our priorities of loving God first, our spouse second, and then our children following, that in little ways, as St. Therese of Lisieux said, we can show great love just in little ways and look for just one fresh idea. Uh, don't get overwhelmed by all that you haven't done. Try something new. Now, at the time we have left, where can our listeners check out your book? Yes, so you could go to stpaulcenter.com. It's available through the center. You can certainly go on Amazon. It's available. Um, and I would really like to encourage people to consider tuning into the belovedandblessed.com podcast. Um, I am able to not only share this material in a lot more detail uh, but, and in smaller bites, but then I also answer questions from listeners. And we have questions from all over the world. Uh, and they touch on everything having to do with marriage and family life. Uh, I, I want to encourage people, you know, the Lord is, is leading you and guiding you. He wants to draw you very close as his beloved daughter, beloved son, and he is trustworthy. He is at work in you and in the lives of your family. And he wants not only to save you, he wants to redeem your whole family and you can be one of those primary channels of grace today. Great. Well, Kimberly, thank you for your time today and discussing your book and congratulations again on its success. And of course, your new father, son, I guess you could say. I know. There you go. Yes. Yes. My father's son. I love it. God bless you. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye.